0: Alright, All right, ladies and gentlemen Welcome back to Everybody Relax Podcast facilitated by your boy lights Clinical Social Worker Trey and Well, and therapist, I'm sorry I missed that piece uh, This is the first guest I have for my series called More Than My Credentials. I've been supposed to been doing this um, interview thing for a long time. I've been uh, just putting it to the side, of course, but I have been graced with the, the um, humble opportunity to interview one of my close friends and one of the few people that have actually got me started into the field of mental health and therapy. That is Dr. Ashley Elliott. She reigns from D.C. You might know her as Dr. Vivid. I call her Ash or City. You'll see as in our commentary, but welcome, um, Dr. Ashley Elliott, to the More Than My Credentials series. What's up with you, Ash? How you feeling?
1: I am good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And this is precious. The pressure that is applied is <laughs> the first. So, but I am honored. And every time I hear you give that spiel about me helping you get started, I'm just like, did I? Did I?
0: We're going to talk about it. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. And I, I remember that exact time and moment. So, yes, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, tell tell the people who you are, where you're from, what you do, and what you got going on.
1: Okay, so yes, yeah, I am Dr. Ashley Elliott, affectionately known as Dr. Vivid. I am a Clinician hailing from Washington, DC, one of the few DC natives that you will find stumping around here. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's real. I am a mom of two. I am a I'm in private practice. Um actually my physical private practice is in Arlington, Virginia, but I have been teletherapy bound since March 2020. Um, mm. and I'm probably gonna be that way for well, probably to 2022. Come on. Um but that's yeah, all about it. <laughs> I'm a motivational speaker, I'm an author, I'm a mental health advocate, I'm a special education advocate, and, you know, I think somebody called me a mental health influencer the other day, and I said,
0: oh,
1: okay. You have
0: ascended.
1: I have ascended. I have another title, but yeah, that's what I do. I, um, a big chunk of my platform on social media is to spread the word of mental health awareness to eliminate stigma and taboo especially within the black community other communities of color because we are often underserved and overlooked when it comes to our mental health needs so that's me
0: absolutely that was a great two minute elevator speech actually one minute i love it (laughs) i love it i love it so let me ask you this man like you know what what started you into the field like wanting to do like therapy or become a you know a psychologist uh, what 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 was that driving factor and that motivating factor?
1: Honestly, um, I love this story. So I was four. I had gone through a lot of trauma. My mother being a young mother, my mom had me at 18 years old, so four, mm-hmm. like 21, or 22. Um, and she took me to a therapist and they were trying to coerce me into lying um, mm-hmm. to kind of the narrative that they wanted for their treatment plan their diagnosis i didn't know that at time i just knew they were getting me to tell things that weren't my truth right blending things and i told my mother um that i didn't feel comfortable and she got me to another therapist and that person was a a white woman who was just mean and didn't sink, and it, it it made me feel small um so after these trial and error moments at four my mother I vividly remember this conversation because I've had a conversation with her inside of the office and my mother always replays it to me. She's like, I don't want to do this. And if other kids feel like this, I want to do something so that those yeah. kids won't feel like this. When And that morphed into me being seven and understanding what a clinical psychologist is.
2: Mm-hmm. And that
1: morphed me into me being 11 and having a history teacher believing in me and saying, everybody comes to you when something is wrong. All these little kids come to you. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And but also he was like, as an as a child, you're really smart. Cause I would have conversations with teachers and they're like, what do you want to do? So he introduced me further into abnormal and clinical psychology and was like yeah. I it. and I told everybody since then, four, seven, and eleven, it's been in stone. I was seeing so many things in the city. Like I said, DC born and raised, cracked epidemic Mental health surging, my family going through those same issues, and right. I just always wanted to help people be better. I always yeah. wanted to figure out what was wrong and how I could help heal people or make it right or make it better. Yeah. Uh, so that's really what propelled me into being Dr. Ashley.
0: Did you Did you ever think like um, Did you ever think about like the therapist, social work role, or just more from the psychology side?
1: Honestly, I've always thought about it from being a psychologist because okay. I felt as though those people are also responsible for training.
2: Okay.
1: And my mind said, yo, we if we want to train people, we need I need to get as much education as possible mm-hmm. so that I can do this the right way. So that I can work with social workers or work with other counselors and we all know how to do it the right way and nobody tell me not nah, that's not the way you do to do it. No. Yeah. I have enough education to know that this is the way to do it and then I really and as I got older like grad school I really realized that you you become a social worker to some capacity (laughs) when you work in community mental health
0: yeah yeah that's that's I I never I never asked you that question I always wonder about the psychologist piece because you know this will go lead to our next our next thing um you know I'd never seen myself as a social worker, let alone a therapist. Um, I just got comfortable with that title of therapist a couple months ago. You know what I'm saying? Um, and but you know, going into school, it's similar to what you th- you talked about. I always asked the question, "Why?" Like, why did people behave that way? And I just never thought about it. But like, as I got into psychology and social work, I realized that 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 was a catalyst for me coming into the field but you know prior to then it was either I'm going to I'm trying to do some hoop dreams if that don't work out we're going to do computers if that don't work out we're going to do business and it still came full circle so I I've always I never got a chance to answer that question before like what made you choose but that makes sense though that makes sense so um but yeah pushing back to that though so when we met so for you guys who don't know you know, or for everybody who doesn't know. Okay, me and Doctor Ashley go back to VCU undergraduate days, and so we became friends then. Um, and this is how I remember the conversation. Right, I was in the middle. I had just transferred to VCU. I was majoring in business and minor in psychology when I um, when I came to VCU because I came from Fayetteville State University. I enjoyed the psychology classes, but I was struggling with the transition from uh, the smaller class size to, you know, we State was like 25 to 30 to, to 1. And then, you know, VC was like 200 to 200 to 1. So I struggled with that, but I enjoyed the psychology classes. And you were majoring in psychology at the time, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was having conversations, and I didn't know anybody in the field at that point. I, I never knew anything about psychology, That that, but I took the class. I'm like, I'm really interested in this. I had a conversation with my mom and dad about switching majors. My mom was like, "eh." My dad was like, "Do what you want to do as long as you get the darn degree." And, you know, pretty much that's, that's his motto: "Do what you do as long as you get the degree." I remember having a conversation in Schaefer, not with Schaefer, no, the I um, it
1: was the comments,
0: the comments,
1: <laughs> and
0: and I was like, "Yo, I'm thinking about man, psychology, but I don't know, man, you don't pay this." He was like, and then I remember you vividly saying, which is ironic, Doctor Vivid, right? <laughs> Says. There's so, there's so much a need in the field of psychology, mental health. There's no men there. You will be amazing there. Do you remember that conversation?
1: I do remember that conversation. Because when you said it, I was like, no, we were in the comments. We were by Chick-fil-A.
0: Yes. We by
1: the tables. And I was having the conversation with you. Because, for, I mean, if they're listening to your podcast, you're such a wealth of energy. You know, it's energy. It's, it's knowledge. But it's the combination. Some people have energy and some people have But you have both. And you're very easy to talk to. You're very relatable. And there's nothing better in this field for (laughs) a man like you to to walk up and be able to talk to another black man, another brown boy and be like, how can I help you heal? Like, you just have it, you know? And I just knew you had it. And also, I am pro, if you connected to me, you can't fall. Right, <laughs> I'm, I am very like, nah, no, you gonna do it. You can do it. You can. Do yeah. it. you did it. You yeah, did
0: it. <laughs> I, I I didn't see it going this far. I was like, all right, you, sh- all right, cool. I'm gonna go ahead, and I was like, well, I know I need a master's, and 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 then like that propelled into social work where I took that intro to class. But I, I that's why I tell people all the time, it was it was you. And it was another it's another girl that I um, I'm cool with that she had a doctorate in social work and she was going to social work um, undergrad when I was um, I was coming out at the house working at the hospital still. And she she went to Howard and stuff like that. But you you two were kind of the, the, the catalyst to kind of throw me out there into that to give me the actual affirmation and the, the, the actual positive feedback to go on this journey. So that's why I credit. I credit mainly you. Because you were the one. I remember that conversation so vividly. And, of course, Dr. Vivid. It fits. It fits. It fits, man. It fits. So, and, and of course, y'all, for like, for y'all that listening, like I said, our relationship continues to go on as we go forward, you know what I'm saying, in our journey as, you know, mental health professionals, you know what I'm saying, and then bouncing the ideas off each other, business owners, um, clinicians, in private practice, things like that, and just doing it, Um, and been doing it for almost, what, 10, 12 years now together. So this is... Why? It's been a journey. It's been a journey, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it was like, met like, 08, 09?
1: Yeah, because I came out of VCU in 2009. And yeah. And went right, like, I graduated in May and went right to grad school in September. And yeah. And, like, never stopped. And I remember, like, you graduated and I'd be excited, and I remember you were like, I'm going to my master's. I was like, yes! Yeah, like, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: I will help you, you know? <laughs> Because it's just a big thing and, and also like it, everybody school isn't for everybody and I know that's taboo
0: right
1: but when you see someone who can do it, you just want to root them on and you just have the you just have the persona the personality and the spirit that you just people just want to root you on because you're, you're, I, I don't know what I felt that moment years ago but I was like yo like he has <laughs> so much potential like and you do. And thank you for you telling
0: people we shoot ideas off each other. Because we get off this podcast, I got something for you. <laughs> <laughs> there it go, there it go. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what we do. Keep in connection with that, man. You know, but it's wild that you saw you seen that so so far back. And it's always crazy to, to have folks that you like you just met or like st- the beginning of that relationship with, and then like they speak something into you that like nobody with like that has been with you for years will speak into you and it's a, such a powerful major thing man that's why i think that you know we you know we have to support one another regardless of you know how long we've known each other or you know this that and the third you know what i'm saying it's very important to speak life into people um and that's biblical based you know what i'm saying it's loving one another and caring for one another so yeah i appreciate you for that um definitely that's why i got you always will be around there somewhere like now we're ash what's ash going on what's going on with her for sure Um, uh, so listen check it out so If you, so if you wasn't doing psychology, like, you know, wasn't a psychologist, what would you be doing outside of this? What would you be doing?
1: All right. So funny thing. (laughs) Uh, When I was little, little before four, I told everybody that I wanted to be a police officer. And my mother was like, you know, police officers get shot at. And I was like, did that mean they die? She was like, yeah. And I was like, nope.
0: Um, so <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> you decided to become a psychologist yeah,
1: right. So, and then I told my mother I wanted to be an artist I have a love for the art so honestly if I wasn't doing this I probably would either be teaching or just doing creative writing full time writing for outlets um you know I'm working on my third book right now so just it probably would just be that you would just see me in some way, form, or fashion using creative arts to help people heal. That's those are my babies. Like writing and psychology um really freed me through my own journey of yeah. uh, mental health and, and wellness. So I I don't see me any other place. And now it's just like this teaching thing, because once once you teach, you either want to do it or you don't. And, yeah. and um now that I've taught in a classroom, I taught undergrad. I just was like, oh, I need to get back in there. So I would probably be doing some type of combination of teaching and creative writing.
0: You still will be helping people, though.
1: Yes. That's it. We can't get away from that. Can't that's get away from it. My calling is to help people, help people unlock their potential, help people realize their visions, and help people heal. That's all I'm here for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, when, when, I didn't remember remember. Did I miss the, the teaching piece of it? I missed that.
1: Yeah, I start, I... I taught my first classes 2015, um, and then I got moved. The first day of classes, they were like, the response to you has been great. Can you teach two more classes? And <laughs> I was like, oh, so I went from teaching psychology to teaching law and ethics to teaching professional development, Then, um, which I love all three of those classes. And then yeah. they were like, could you teach English? And I was like, okay. Wow. I taught... I taught about six different courses over the course of like um, a year and a half. And then, bum, 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 my school folded. Like many schools have been, even my graduate school no longer exists anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, I know mean,
0: you talking about that.
1: Know where your money goes, yeah. uh, so. Real right, real rap. Yeah, so right now I'm trying to see where I want to be. Part of me really wants to be at an HBCU in some capacity. Um, not just because i didn't get the hbcu experience but i believe that we need more passionate people that look like us yeah. and telling you what's on the other side like okay yeah. i've seen this arena i live this experience let me help you get at the and make it work for you that's the plan that's my master plan
0: yeah, So is this, is this a, a long term plan Do you see yourself still doing therapy long term Or do you see yourself transitioning into writing and, and teaching
1: I'll probably do therapy Until I've had this dream I'll probably do therapy until like my Late 60s And then transition to just Writing, supervising, and teaching And I'll probably retire Like This is wild But my grandmother still volunteers And she's 85 years old so, I'm probably mm-hmm. retire, like, in my 80s. I'm going to get a little, a house in the Virgin Islands. And then, you know, <laughs> that's it. Like, but yeah. I'm always going to be connected to, like you said, helping someone until, because I don't believe it's work if it doesn't feel like work. That's the right. to make therapy and teaching not feel like work. The moment I feel like it's work, that's the moment that I'll say, let me change the way I'm doing it or let me transition out of it.
0: Right, right. I, you know, you know, I, I've been thinking about this more and more and more. And um, you know, I, do you know um, Kim Young down here in Richmond? The
1: name yeah. rings a bell, but you know, I'm a face person, so
0: yeah, I'm gonna have her on actually, but um, hopefully. And um, we we had this con I, like she she's been pushing this conversation on, like social work retirement by 2030, and it's been really just been deeply embedded. Like I've been picking up with, like have a conversation with different social workers, people in the field. And then this kind of, it sparked this conversation around more than a social worker. I've been pushing that narrative, but trying to blend all the things that make us who we are into this social work field, but then to ourselves, because a lot of times I feel like, you know, at least from my experience and what I've worked around and seen is that, we get hung up on the credentials. We get hung up on the degrees and the, the work and the therapy, the clinical aspect, everything that has to do with it. And then we lose ourselves in the moment. And so, you know, she was talking about this social work retirement thing where she was just like, I'm not going to be doing social work at 2030. And I was just like, wow, that's that's very bold to, you know, and 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 very like inspiring to see that somebody outside the field, well in the field that's saying, I'm I'm putting a hard stop to this. And um, it, it's it's interesting because I've struggled with the thought of being a therapist, being a social worker, and trying to bring in all these different elements, right? Whether it's sneakers, cars, clothes, coffee, you know, fatherhood, parenthood, marriage, things of that nature, and and even at my old job, like I, when I used to work with my own colleagues, there was they couldn't separate the two. I've always been a person of separating the two. But now it's like, but well, we can do so much, whether it be social worker, clinical, psychologist, we can implement these, these different pieces of ourselves into our practice. Absolutely. And still be ethical, um, but still don't lose ourselves in the process. And so um I I, I do want to do teaching myself. I think for me it's it's consulting and teaching long-term and supervising. Um, I had the opportunity last year to supervise an intern for the first time, um, and that was uh, an amazing experience. I didn't know what I was doing, but, <laughs> you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but, you know, uh, we made it happen, and so it's just, you know, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that, and I'm hopefully, hopeful that somebody who's listening, you know, who may be struggling with that same thought of, you know, I, I, I just want to do this, but I want to do this, and I want to do that, and it's like, you can. not
1: You can, you
0: can. And you're doing it, you know.
1: It's so funny that you say about talk about that hard stop that um you say Kim brought up. Yeah, um, I have a good a good friend that I actually met um during the pandemic through other friends. You know how social media works, right? Um, she just took her last her last day of work as a therapist was uh, like two weeks ago. No, the end of July, and when I say that's her last week of work, that's period and. Right done because I, we I we were having you know during the pandemic it's been really tough for the mental health professionals yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. so
1: yes. that's she's a, she's a tad older than me I call her my vampire because she does not look her age and I wish to look her, <laughs> her for the rest of my life um,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. she was like it's not worth it you give too much of yourself to this field and don't pour in the other parts of yourself mm-hmm. so now she's back in school pursuing her second her, her love I'm not gonna say it was her second love but pursuing, pursuing one of her loves is art and, okay. and she went back to school she was like I couldn't do both not with the schedules that we have but she, right. she also was at a point where you get when you get in certain agencies where you're like I can go no further I can't do more or yeah they're not allowing you to um, infuse your style and it doesn't feel authentic and right came to the realization that no that's we don't do inauthentic so i'm out and i respect her so much because there are so many people who feel because they have these titles they have to keep going and they're not giving their best selves and and because of that our therapeutic relationships suffer their personal lives suffer it becomes too much you know, we can... The thing about being a mental health professional, we know the power of saying no or the power of pausing or stopping. Right. And for some people, it's frowned upon, but I think we get it. When we have those type of conversations about, like, no, nah, I'm retiring here or I'm stopping there, it's like, I totally understand because of the weight of the stuff that we deal with every day.
0: Right. Do you think that us in the field, we... Do you think it's even healthy for us to think about long-term clinical practice due to the weight of the work that we work with people and their emotions and their traumas. Do you think it's even healthy to go so long in the field without pursuing the things that make you who you are?
1: As a black woman who's a clinician, no. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, I'm going to speak from my experience because we are often pulled on so much
2: that,
1: the rate of burnout, I doesn't, it doesn't allow for long, long term. It allows for I'ma stop, I'm a come back, I'ma try something new, I'ma stop. It's a lot of start and stops, not because we're not capable, but because we are so worn out. Yeah. And we're often the first called upon mm-hmm. and the last to be appreciated for the work that we've done when you called on us. Right. So what I've been seeing in this field, like you said, this I've been actively seeing clients since 2009, that's including training, uh, right. 2009. And I thought about it. And I was like, how many times have I had moments where I, I told you what I see for myself? And I say these numbers and these ages. How many times has that changed based on where I was working at the time, or yeah. the nature of the world was at the time? Y'all, you probably gonna have to ask me again in 2022 if, if stuff go continues to go the way it's going right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I really think that, and I will expand it to people of color, unless other programs and other. Things in our system changed to be more supportive for us, mm. and to be more positively affirming for us, and to be um, appreciative of mm. us um, professionally, financially. It's it's not the it's not the thing people see. Especially with me, they think I just walk around with, with six seven figures, and I'm like, where?
0: Um, <laughs> oh, that's not expensive.
1: We working, but as much as much money as y'all think I get, I have to put out so much because. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you know this as an entrepreneur, as a black entrepreneur, with, and that thinks differently. People don't are scared to fund it, or like they can't see it because it doesn't look traditional.
2: Yeah, so
1: yeah, it, it's hard. So you know you have to kind of be a jack of all trades, or have many many cars in the debt in order to have some type of longevity as a mental health professional.
0: Dang, you know what? That's mm, that's so true. That is so true. The starting is stopping. You know, I've I've I have had some colleagues in my last job working in crisis. The, the lady that I replaced, she had retired. Ooh. She had been in a crisis for like 10, 10 something years or whatever. She stopped for a year or so and then came back and did crisis for maybe four or so years and then she retired because they was like they wanted to make her um get sit sit for the LCSW to get supervised. Um and so and she was like i'm ain't no point in me doing that because i'm like i'm at the point of retirement why should i sit for supervision it costs money things like that and um you know she told me when i and i i hold on to this all the time i tell, tell people all the time like you know as as crisis therapists which is a major component to the mental health system and is very very you know uh instrumental in the access to care for people um, out there, she was like the lifespan really not lifespan but like the, the the job span for that position is like four four years, four and a half years oh yeah until you get burnt out and you got to do something else right. and then you know there's people who are there ultimately for um long term, but it's just like do you how, how how effective how efficient you know are you in that capacity? because so much trauma so much hurt so much pain that you feel and if you're in this field that can then you're in this field for a reason right you don't automatically shake that stuff off mm-hmm. you don't automatically shake yourself off. and so i tried in my boundary setting to make sure that i had my stuff in place when i did that you know what i'm saying i was doing that work and, and making sure that i was still pouring back into myself because this work is hard it's 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 taxing um one you can have, be having great sessions all day and then that one session will take the rest about of you and you trying to re- it take you two days to recover absolutely um absolutely. and i just you know i have been thinking more about that and i'm pretty sure this is probably where why this series came about because like it's only so much we can do mm-hmm. <laughs> it's only so much it's only so much we can do we can provide um to our people man and um especially like you said it made a lot of sense when you're thinking of something that's out of the box that's not traditional there's no actual framework there's no blueprint for it um and you gotta kind of shoulder it all on your own and that's another thing you know especially for black women crazy about the box y'all already is doing everything by yourselves independently thugging it out Making things happen, frontline, exercising—you're asked upon, to, called upon to do these things, and and, and then when it—it's just another thing on the checklist that doesn't get supported.
1: Mm-hmm. But it's
0: amazing,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: that's, know. That's
1: my life story. Yeah. As a professional, like, yeah. amazing ideas and people being like, "How you gonna pull it off?" I don't think you know what or or thinking that my ideas aren't supported. By something evidence based or experience based, yeah, and that's the piece that really gets to a lot of people. So they end up in these jobs or end up in these spaces where they just sit and it doesn't. They're helping, but it doesn't feel fulfilling as they as they want it to be, and they know they can do more, and it just like it becomes cog in the wheel. And you see people who are brilliant clinicians using a tenth of their talent because people around them are scared of what their true potential is that's all it is
0: yeah and well you're not getting poured into but with that then you know what I'm saying you like oh well, I'll put this idea all to the side or I'll leave the field I don't know you know what I'm saying I, I just it's just so important to find and you can't really ask it's it's hard to ask somebody to give themselves a hundred thousand percent to something like that knowing that there's no backing because everybody doesn't have that in them to just be like, I'm going to just do it anyways. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's just you can't ask, you can't out-motivate, you can't out-speak those folks, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's understandable. So we kind of went off on a tangent a little bit, but it's necessary, you know what I'm saying? That's what my podcasts do. All right, so we, we talked about the art side of you and then, you know what I'm saying, you talked about... Um, the the creative, the creative atmosphere of everything you got going on. About to be a have three books out here. You feel what I'm saying? And then you got you said other hobbies and interests, music, food, growth, and joy. And now I know where I'm going with the food piece. I got to come on back to the food piece. <laughs> now, you from D.C. Everybody want to know. You feel what I'm saying? What? Who got the best chicken wings and mambo sauce? Dog, oh, let, <laughs> let me tell you
1: something right now. I'm from Northeast D.C., baby. You know, I'm from, I'm the pride of Capitol Hill. Best chicken wings, mumbo sauce, Hong Kong, baby, Hong Kong. Now, let me tell you something. It's a Hong Kong and Northeast. It's a Hong Kong and Southeast. Are they good? Yes. Is one better? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to let y'all, I'm going to let y'all try that out on your own. I t- We take our chicken and mumbo sauce very seriously here in D.C., so serious that I knew the owner of our carryout. We knew her by name. Yeah. The chicken tasted different one day. Let me tell you, this was like 15 years ago. We all walked in that thing was like, wait, stop. Something happened. They were like, yeah, Andy don't work here no more. She stole it to our brothers and sisters. We were like, A- we need you to go talk to your sister. <laughs> and figure out how to make our chicken wings be fried hard the right way. Yeah. Something else we eat up here is fried boneless garlic chicken. Um we What is that? Fried boneless garlic chicken with a side of fried rice or fries, fried hard, mumbo sauce, salt, pepper, ketchup, hot sauce. Come on, man. Come on, man.
0: Oh, I got to I gotta come back. I got to get some. I got to come <laughs> back up and get some.
1: Buy you some. I will buy you some. But like, that's the that's the judge. I mean, it's places all around. Like, if I eat uptown, I probably eat at Dragon. I'm definitely, of course, I'm in my city. I still live in Northeast, so I'm going to Hong Kong, Southeast Hong Kong, you know, but like, if you don't get it from those spots, bruh, nah.
0: It's not the same? Nah.
1: (laughs) Nah. If you're you're not walking into the carryout and you don't feel like something could go down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's so wild. (laughs) You You like your chicken wings and mambo sauce with danger.
1: Danger is an adventure (laughs) every day, baby. If you walk in and Sebastian and Nigel and Sarah walk out, turn right back around. That's not. Oh,
0: that's fire! That's fire! That's so fire! (laughs) Oh, music-wise, go go. Who's your top three go go bands?
1: What are you crazy? Back (laughs) TCB UCB. Technically, let's say back rare essence
0: slash TCB UCB. Okay. Like, See only uh, the only the DMV listeners are the only ones that gonna know who these bands are, by the way. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, anybody else that listens outside DMV, y'all not gonna know any of these bands. Um uh, but just, so you said back, then rare essence, then TCB. Yeah,
1: so Backyard band, I say for me because that was the essence of me growing up. Like, yeah, it right, was a fan, like Big G. Most people know Big G um, from The Wire. I right, character he played on The Wire. But you know, and and Glove, you know the deep raspy voice. That that, that, that that's that's Yeah, thing. yeah. You know what I'm saying, and he was our childhood. You hear Big G on the track in the summer, you was just like, yeah. Um, rare essence because classic. I went to a rare essence show like a couple years ago. And then when the pandemic started, they were doing Bounce Beat and Go Go Live, rare essence cranks. Like they never stopped. Like it's. Yeah. Uh, and then. Um, Did you do
0: a tiny desk too?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know who brings them out on a regular basis? The roots. Because that quest love loves rare essence. Like they do. TCB is because Bounce Speed. A lot of people don't know what that is if you're not Mm. from this area. But the bounce beat, they really pushed that, you know, that whole. So if you hear go, 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 it's all about percussion. It's all about beats. It's all about pauses. It's quick changes in rhythms. But something about the bounce beat, it, like, it really makes you bounce. And that that was my high school growing up, young adult experience. We do something here called we beat our feet and we battle. I remember going to VCU and being homesick, even though it was only two hours of some change away. And I heard at the time, um, UCB and everything, y'all sexy ladyed us to death. Yeah,
0: they did. <laughs> they did. They did. They did. They sexy ladyed us down all the way down North Carolina when I was at Fayetteville. They played that joint, so all North Carolina folks was like, "Yo, what is?" I'm in Fayetteville. They was like, "What is this?" They knew sexy lady. And, but they didn't, they, they was like, what? what is this? And they hated it. We used to blast Go-Go on that job. So,
1: it's a thing. Like, anytime you hit Sexy Lady or you hit Three in the Morning, the pain.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's <laughs> that, that Go-Go, you know? Right. You hit Chuck Brown, like, all that is us. Because I, I think, like, every city has a soundtrack. And, like, legit. Right. If you walk around different areas, you could be like, oh. This is this is definitely a go-go beat needs to accompany what is happening right now. Like, it's, right. it's it's the essence of the city. I used to be so homesick, and i used to hear that, and like the parties, and I would lose my mind for a moment. I'd be like, ah, uh, all is right with the world.
0: <laughs> I can't imagine. Like, I, I I've always thought that because I've of course I'm down here in central Virginia, closer to Richmond, and you know I know there's some thoughts around DMV. What part of Virginia is part of the DMV, X, Y, Z? Look, I just say DMV to help with the the proximity. But, you know, my peoples, you know, they grew up on Chuck, R.E., Trouble Funk, um, Junkyard, things like that. So that's what I heard on Saturday mornings. And then matriculated into, like, the TCB, the UCBs, stuff like that, CCBs. X, y, and Z coming down here, and it's like it, just matriculate down 95 South corridor because they they usually come down here and perform yep. Richmond stuff like that. Yep. So, um, but I can only imagine being part of DC and having that music be the kind of soundtrack to your life, your high school, your your school life, and if you did end up going to Howard University, bro, like, it's 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 probably a whole different experience up there, man.
1: What a time <laughs> to be. Alive.
0: What a time.
1: What a time. Back in the day, we used to have something called, um, we used to have like a different type of festivals in Caribbean festivals and street and neighborhood festivals. And we knew, oh, we coming out back cranking. Like, you got your outfit on, you know. Yeah. Like, that was a thing. Me and my cousins would meet up on the weekends and they would like, you want to go, go? You know, you got $20 for the cut line. Like, that was a thing, you know. And I was the bougie cousin. It was like, I don't pay to stand in line. I'll catch you next time. But, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's an experience. It was, and it is funny seeing y'all in Central Virginia embrace it because people don't know like Central Virginia that means you're at least 45 minutes to four hours away. Yeah. Um, and hearing it, it'll be like, oh, it's late. But they get it. Oh,
0: they yeah. Get it. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah.
1: So I think that's also what come you know attracted me to you as a friend. Like, oh, okay, he cool, he witty, he knows some stuff. Cause Lord, college is a time people will say things to you and be like, oh yeah, I'm from southeast. Southeast where? <laughs> you are from Fredericksburg, and I know you are, but.
0: Uh- <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> wait, wait, pause. Hey man, that's I'm. I'm sorry. That's that's. I'm from Caroline County. I'm from the Caroline County. seat on to be exact. I don't claim Fredericksburg. You I word to Fredericksburg, but I I hear you.
1: Wow, <laughs> like be proud of where y'all from. Yeah. New kids hate that just like New York kids hate that. They'll be like, "Where you from?" And the only place y'all know is Southeast. You know there are more places. I'm not even from Southeast. I'm not
0: right. even.
1: Right. Wild, but. <laughs> that's why you country and I'm city and that's that's how it goes that's and
0: that's goes. and that's the nicknames for sure <laughs> for sure fun fact man my um my uncle man he used to um barber uh well, he keep barbers now but like I think junkyard came down here way back in the day one time they need a congo player and he ended up playing the congos with them one time before that's the that's the uh little fun fact that I have with my uncle um shout out to Mont, man he okay. but he yeah, he played with them before, man. So that's what's up, man. That's what's up. I had to do. I had to go there because there's some. So like some of the homies that don't know DC that well, like there's some. Like they understand. They need some. They need some true facts from somebody from a DC native. You know what I'm saying? So I had to let the DC native speak on these things. Um, and let them know what's really good in Chocolate City. I love DC. Uh, if I can get up, if I can get past the traffic and I'm not too tired past the traffic, I will thrive in DC. But um. <laughs> that track up be killing me nowadays, man. I'm, I'm not I'm not the same no more.
1: <laughs> uh, I've been trying to, I usually go to see a socially distance, um viewing with my friends in the car since the pandemic started. My goddaughter and stuff, I and mean, I stay in the car and talk to them. It, they live in Glen Island, which is 20 minutes outside of Richmond. Um, it took me mm-hmm. a half hours to get there one day. And the other day, it took me four. 95 traffic is not for the week.
0: It's not. Um,
1: so if you can't take traffic, if you can't take the fact that it will take you forty-five minutes to get across town, sometimes, like it's not the it's not the life for you to live in DC.
0: <laughs> I tell people you go in DC, you leave at nine o'clock in the morning from down here, at least nine o'clock in the morning down here, and you get on that road before two o'clock. If you don't get on the road before two o'clock, just stay there till ten, and then come down the road. Back. <laughs> It's no point. It's no point. I, I, am ne- like even. I would have like some events up there, and I would leave at noon, bro. It'd take me two hours to get up there, and I was like, I'm definitely not leaving after you know round two, like five o'clock. We're gonna ride it out to eight or nine, and then we gonna come down the road, man. So, nah, that that is 95 is a bit different beast nowadays. Um, real quick before we um we can close up here here soon. Um, tell me about your third book. What's going on with that?
1: So, <laughs> the first book I released in uh, 2017 was In My Safe Space, and it was a collection of writings um, that I just wanted people to understand, like to kind of see mental health from a different view because it was my writings as I was going through different things. Right. So I was, okay, where do I go from there? The second book became, came because I was working on the third book, but I started getting, I started procrastinating because I started getting overwhelmed. So, the second book was My Feelings Workbook, which is literally um, my Feelings Matter, a feelings workbook that I did. Um, my daughters are my contributors to that book. Uh-huh. Uh, so it has helped you identify feelings and things. The third book that I'm working on, I'm not going to drop the title because people like to say, take things, but it's a book that focuses on social media and mental health and mm. some of the buzzwords and terminology that we use. Uh-huh. And it's, it's humor meets education. Um, okay. So I wanted to tackle some of these things that I hear thrown around like for instance I hear people just labeling things toxic or saying words like trauma bonding and not really knowing what they mean but thinking they mean something else and it kind of becoming trendy and yeah. words and ways on these threads kind of cringy yeah. so I wanted to come in and say hey no this is what this means and this is what your concept is. And let me show you why you shouldn't, you know, talk about it this way. But not in a preachy manner. It's very much, you had conversations with me, very much like I'm talking to you. We're having a conversation. Yeah. It's funny, but I'm teaching you, like, this is the, the positive way to to get information because we don't want to continue to live in stigma and misinformation so mm-hmm. that's what this third book is i'm working frantically so i'm <laughs> not gonna give you a deadline but it's coming it's coming yeah.
0: no <laughs> no nah, nah, you fine you fine that's dope though it's so much misconceptions out there man it's so much education that's needed around these concepts these opinions these thought patterns and you know my biggest gripe is Even though it's with the mental health influencer, you're authentic influencer because you are a clinician. You're in the field, right? But like the ones who just influence off the basis of social media algorithms and big companies giving the dollars to say, oh my God, I practiced mindfulness today. This is what it did. This is what you need to do to help your mental health today. And it's like, yo, that's not, you know, so y'all creating false narratives out here. So I'm actually preaching. I'm interested to see, you know, read this one because social media has really, really, really kind of just put a sheet over the true mental health symptoms and mental health work and what therapy is, what therapists are. And that's why I empower a lot of therapists and clinicians, man, to like get on this this branding entrepreneurship wave, even if it's something side hustle wise or something small, man, because you just need a little bit of guidance, a little bit of direction and get yourself out there because right now it's too saturated Mm -hmm. and it's not enough of us with the actual history, the actual experience, and can and can do the same thing as an influencer, but taking it more in depth, you know. So it's just bad, man. I hate it. I hate it so much, man. I hate it so much. But and I'm so true. glad you're doing this.
1: Thank you. I mean, that's God's plan for me. I I never could fit in a box, you know. I tell people like I don't I don't think I'm what people look at as their average therapist anyway. I mean, like you know. Okay. Like, okay. I mean, I
0: that's
1: just, okay. <laughs> this is how I show up, you know. Yeah. All clients know, but you know, and uh, social media has been a blessing for me. Um, TikTok has been crazy. I was like, I'm I'm old man. I can't do TikTok. Nah, I can do TikTok.
0: You TikTok. cooking? I see you cooking on TikTok. I'm, I wish I could do all that.
1: You know, I, because exactly what you said, I see too many people using the platform and using hashtags related to mental health and wellness, and I'm like, that's not what this is. You know, I want to make sure that I can reach as many people as possible. And if I can use social media to do that, that's the way I can reach as many people as humanly possible. Let For every video you post with misinformation, I'm going to post like three to five to put yeah. in the right direction. That's where I'm going. God told me that I have something bigger for you. You just have to believe it and trust me. And it's you are, you are beyond the office.
0: So mm-hmm. I, never, I
1: don't always introduce myself as a therapist because I see myself beyond the office. And I, I see myself taking this message as far as, as God will allow me to breathe, to run with it. And people like you who are also using this platform and we running because for, like I said, for every 10 that aren't doing our population justice, it's two, three, four that are of us that are gathering that can grab an audience and have other people talking about what we're doing and sharing videos and sharing our podcast and all those things and i believe that we are the change agents we are the 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 game changers
0: absolutely absolutely for sure well you answered my last question there i was going to ask you what makes you more than your credentials but you just gave an amazing (laughs) soliloquy about that um and so that that definitely fits that the answer for that question i i I do agree i think that you know I'm, i'm trying to also want to implement in these actual um, conversations because these people that I have relationships with, of course, to give them their flowers. And so I just wanted to tell you, I thank you for, you know, inspiring me to go forward in this field um, and pursue uh, mental health, the mental health journey, the clinician journey. But just thank you for being your una, una, um, your unapologetic, authentic self. In this space, um never giving up, never surrendering to the, the actual box standards that they try to put us in, but always standing outside of the box and making sure that you pushing a bu- pushing a button always and following god's lead you thank i thank you dr uh dr Ash, dr Vit Dr. Elliot um you know for what you're doing and the trailblazing that you are setting setting forth uh, for our generation. Um, for our kids' generation and then for every other black girl out there, including my daughter, that can see you as well. So appreciate you. Appreciate you as always, man, for sure. You always speak life into me. We know, we, we do that back and forth, but you you speak life into me every time we have a conversation. So I appreciate that. What
1: you have to do is make me tear up on this podcast. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. I don't like to make my, I sometimes make my clients cry. And I, don't, I don't want to, but you know, you know, I, I, I want to make sure I speak life into folks because right now we're going through a heavy situation and, and life is, tur- is turmoil and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's hard to stay positive. It's hard to stay inspirational, motivational all the time. So we got to give ourselves some of that little pick me up every time, you know what I'm saying? So that's just, that's just the message. So I'm sorry. I, I kind of, you know, it made you tear up a little bit. My bad, but uh where can the people find you at um and do as much shouting out that you need to do for yourself and your brand i don't care any about that do your thing
1: oh well thank you so if you want to find all things vivid you can actually go on drvivid.com. doctor is spelled out so it's d-o-c-t-o-r vivid v-i-v-i-d.com on all my social media platforms on instagram i'm dr vivid Just the d-r um on twitter i am dr vivid i think it's spelled out on facebook i'm dr vivid on tiktok i'm dr vivid but my name is also glitter and genetics because that's what i'm made of I mean, yeah, but, you know, there, I mean, and that's where I am. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I try to drop videos once or twice a week on TikTok, maybe like three times a week. I'm also doing a live on TikTok tonight at eight o'clock called Cope Chat with Dr. Vivid, where I'm going to be talking about different coping skills and how people can dem- demonstrate coping skills for different things. Um, and I'm going to do that weekly. So that's where okay.
0: you Cool, cool, cool. We appreciate you. Well, thank you again, um, Ash, Dr. Vivit, Dr. Ashley Elliott. We appreciate you coming on, everybody. Relax, man. And that is it.